Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Following the 2016 elections, there are many unanswered questions about what issues will dominate the agenda for our new president and Congress. In an eight part series, Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek's Washington, D.C. policy professionals and attorneys discuss their perspectives on the biggest issues facing the next administration. Brownstein's strategic advisors Barry Jackson and former Senator Mark Begich moderate bipartisan discussions on the first 100 days of Trump's presidency, as well as pressing issues like immigration, health care, financial services, tax and trade, education, infrastructure, and marijuana policy. In this episode, shareholder Will Michella discusses how the Republican Congress and new administration could approach marijuana policy in light of increasing public support and successful state legalization. This is Mark Begich. Uh, I've served in the U.S. Senate from Alaska for six years, been a mayor of uh, Anchorage, Alaska, been on the local city council and also in the business world for many years. So I joined the Brownstein firm almost two years ago, and it's been a pleasure. And uh, the topics that we cover are enormous. So I'm just glad to be here to be able to have a conversation with so many talented folks. Well, thanks, Mark. I'm Barry Jackson, and along with Mark, I serve as co-chair of the strategic practice here at Brownstein. I'm one of only two people that have served as chief of staff to the Speaker of the House and senior staff to the President of the United States. And along with my colleague here, Mark, I think we can provide you a pretty interesting back and forth about the role of the Congress and the role of the White House as a new administration and a new Congress takes place. So let's dive in. We're here today with Will Machella, a member of Brownstein's government relations practice with a specialty in legal reform, intellectual property, and criminal law. Prior to Brownstein, Will served as Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General at the DOJ and the Chief Legislative Counsel and Parliamentarian at the House Committee on Judiciary. Thanks for joining us today, Will. You're here today to discuss with us marijuana policy in 2017 and the outlook for marijuana policy with the new administration. Let me uh, set the stage and just start first with, you know, the predictions right up to the last minute where Clinton was going to win. Obama had a kind of a, uh, a lackluster policy in marijuana, not really pushing it anyway on the criminal side. But now there's a new person coming in as president, President-elect Trump, and a uh, new attorney general, at least this point, uh, nominated uh, Senator Jeff Sessions. What happens to the deck now? What's going to be the next stage of this issue? Well, that's the uh, $100,000 question. Um, I think what we do know is that the current situation wasn't working. Uh, those in the banking, uh, in the marijuana industry were having all kinds of problems getting banking services and other things, and nobody was satisfied with the uh, current situation. Because that uh, was against federal law. And that because of the uh, operation of federal law. And so we still have this dilemma where federal law and the laws of a number of states uh, conflict, and so what is the Trump administration going to do? We know that Senator Trump has said, or, or uh, President-elect Trump, I should say, has said that um, uh, he seems to be okay with medicinal marijuana. He certainly has been negative on re- recreational use, and we do know that his Attorney General nominee Jeff Sessions uh, is certainly uh, extremely concerned, and his voice is concerned about the legalization efforts throughout the country. We also know that conservatives in general have been very critical of the uh, 
Obama administration's Justice Department and the manner in which they have gone about um, not enforcing federal law. And so uh, one of the things that we could see out of the bat is a withdrawal of the so-called coal memo. In fact, uh, I would predict that that is going to happen uh, for any number of reasons that we can discuss. Um, And what did the coal memo do? So there were a couple memos issued by the Deputy Attorney General during the Obama administration, and it basically set out some guidance for the uh, 93 U.S. attorney's offices throughout the United States. And that guidance uh, basically said that the scarce enforcement resources of the Department of Justice, particularly those of the DEA uh, and those U.S. attorney's offices, should not be used uh, to go after uh, cannabis operations that are otherwise in compliance with state law. So in other words, the Cold Amendment said, don't waste your time in enforcing it or spend any money on it. I think that's the shorthand uh, <laughs> way, way of saying it. They couched it in terms of resources because they had to. Uh, had they done it any other way, uh, they really would have gotten in trouble with Congress. And so um, uh, they couched it in terms of how to spend their resources. I mean, one of the criticisms, of course, was that the DEA and the U.S. attorney's offices had the exact same resources the day after the Cole memo was written than they did the day before. And so uh, a withdrawal of the Cole memo is, uh, is likely. Uh, and then um, uh, we'll have to see how that manifests itself uh, in enforcement action around the country. So, well, one of the things that that I find interesting about this debate is that there's so many policies in corporate America that are based on current law, and now you've got states saying that marijuana use for recreational purposes is okay. We've seen articles about the NFL, for instance, and what they're going to do with their player policy. Can you speak a little bit about what our clients might not be thinking about that could be impacted by this? Well, I think um, in the area of employment law, there are a whole host of uh, questions. So the NFL has had to deal with this. Uh, Those in the um, building trades certainly uh, have concerns. Uh, And because of the interaction with federal law, you've got to remember that um, the manufacturer distribution uh, of cannabis products is illegal under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. And so um, businesses need to keep in mind both complying with state law and federal law, and that makes it uh, a real tricky wicket. Do, do you think there's going to be uh, – it's an interesting question because you have states now and, and more states this last election cycle, again, dealing with recreational marijuana. You have the banking problem, which is a federal regulated issue. You have enforcement, which you've just described in the coal Amendment, which do you, let me ask you a quick one on that again. Do you think that's going to be in that first hundred days type of thing? It, it's hard to say because then what does that mean after the coal memo? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me, and it also wouldn't surprise me that when Senator Sessions uh, goes before the Senate Judiciary Committee for his confirmation hearing, that he gets asked this question. Certainly, wouldn't surprise me if senators from states that have legalized. Uh, the use of marijuana for either recreational or medicinal purposes asks him questions about this. Um, I would imagine that that uh, they don't want to see the tax dollars that are going to their states dry up. And I also think that they're going to probably make a strong case to him to appeal 
to um, his well-known inclination to, to, to defer to state action and to defer to the decisions that people make at the voting booth and figure out a way to, at a minimum, give Congress some time to address this issue. It's always about the money. And in this case, you've got industry that is setting up the was largely an underground all-cash economy, which is now finding itself having to orient itself into the normal business world. And yet, they can't avail themselves of normal business tax deductions. They can't avail themselves in a normal way with the banking system. And we're going to have the first 100 days or the first two years, however you want to look at it, of the Trump administration trying to make America great again. Do you think that there's places where these practical business-oriented issues that the marijuana industry will face can get addressed? Uh, well, I certainly hope so. You know, one of the consequences of the coal memo when it was issued was that it uh, spurred a, a memorandum from FinCEN, which is uh, the unit within the Department of Treasury that uh, tracks uh, uh, various electronic transactions, um, cash transactions, checks, and things like that for the purpose of um, battling uh, money laundering and the like. And so the those in the marijuana industry have been able to patch together a way in which to, uh, in some cases, use the ba- banking system and pay their taxes. Uh, that will uh, the withdrawal of the FinCEN memo as a result of a, the coal memo being withdrawn certainly is going to be a huge problem. And you certainly don't want to drive this uh, activity underground into a black market. But you're right. Banking services are difficult. Uh, these um, uh, businesses that are operating pursuant to state law, many of them are being taxed at a rate of about – an effective rate of about 80 percent, maybe even higher because they're not – able to avail themselves of the um, basic tax deductions uh, that uh, of ordinary business expenses that other businesses uh, can have. So at the end of the day, Congress needs to uh, address this issue. Um, the patchwork hasn't worked to date. Uh, there are still, as you say, a number of problems, banking, taxes, even the manner in which the Department of the Agriculture regulates pesticides and permits the ability to use certain substances in uh, the agriculture industry have been difficult uh, for this industry. And so uh, Congress needs to address this uh, head on uh, to give some certainty to these businesses about uh, how they can uh, continue, uh, continue this effort. So we have a new president coming in, new Congress, um, both House and Senate. House been Republican-controlled, uh, and the Senate Republican-controlled a little tighter. Uh, we got a little sense of what the administration may do, but now who, who are going to be the players on maybe both sides of this issue in Congress? Are there certain people that uh, we see that are going to be the leaders on trying to resolve these issues, and then who will be their obstacles uh, in the Senate and or the House or both? Right. So um, I think you've seen some leadership from members of Congress and, and um, 
senators from states that have already taken this action, that have already legalized uh, either recreational or medicinal use of marijuana. So, for example, Senator Ron Wyden has introduced legislation that would address the deductibility of ordinary business expenses under Section 280E of the tax code. And, um, and, he, and he sits on finance and is from Oregon, so he has kind of a, a pivotal role as a, as a ranking member of finance. That's right. We, we believe that there will be a tax bill uh, in the first six months of the year, and I think he is going to um, push that agenda. And then you have um, other members from the Colorado delegation uh, who have been leaders. Some have introduced bills to just address the banking issue. Some have tried to address this in a more uh, holistic manner by amending the Controlled Substances Act. Interestingly, Congress has taken some steps toward uh, legalization. In the past um, budget cycle, an amendment was adopted that was offered by a congressman from California named Dana Rohrbacher that limited the ability of the Justice Department to uh, enforce the Controlled Substances Act uh, against uh, medicinal marijuana uh, companies that are doing business in compliance with state law. That passed. However, a similar amendment uh, targeted at recreational marijuana did not. Now, the the medicinal marijuana um, amendment was challenged by the Justice Department. Uh, It's not uh, it's not perfectly drafted because of the vehicle that it was put in, but the Ninth Circuit uh, upheld uh, that um, uh, that amendment and basically said the Justice Department can't um, uh, apply the Controlled Substances Act in states that have legalized medicinal marijuana against those medicinal marijuana concerns. It's awfully hard to put the genie back in the bottle, but. Uh, there's a whole other side to this debate that people either look at marijuana as a as a gateway um, substance. Um, people are concerned about what it says about values. So, if you're counseling the industry, what are the things that they should be careful for and sensitive to in their arguments? Because it would seem that the fact that the president of the United States has an Office of National Control Drug Policy stands somewhat in contradiction to where the states are headed. Yeah, I think um, people, including members of Congress, have strong feelings on this issue, and I wouldn't counsel them to try to change somebody's mind about the merits or demerits of marijuana use. What I would tell them is that um, their best argument is to uh, is to ask the Congress to allow the states to continue this experimentation. Interestingly enough, you know, most of these efforts are done by referendum. And so and some states have 60 percent thresholds for these votes. Um, and so making the case that the states are the laboratories of democracy should be able to test these new policies, um, see whether or not you know the, the uh, this system will help reduce the black market, help reduce crime, um, uh, and tightly regulate it so that it's not getting in into the hands of children. I do think that's got to be a core 
part of any argument. Colorado has been very good uh, about their message to teens and young people because of the operation of the effective ingredient in cannabis on young brains, um, and that uh, that should be dealt with strictly, and members of Congress should understand uh, some of those efforts that are um, being put in place by states like Colorado and Washington. You use the word regulatory. So if we think about whether we're talking about alcohol or tobacco, for instance, the federal government has an enormous regime put in place to assure that products are labeled correctly. The toxicity level is constant throughout if a product is done that way. Is this something that the industry should take upon itself in a preemptive role to start thinking about those standards, or should they wait for the federal government to decide how they're going to step in? Oh, I absolutely think that the uh, industry should be thinking about this. I think state regulators already are thinking about this. And if they don't think about it, regulators will at the state or federal level. Um, One of the reasons why federal regulators haven't jumped in yet is because of the manner in which the Controlled Substances Act uh, prevents um, and it, uh, makes illegal this activity, but that ought to be of primary concern and importance to the industry. You know, to follow up on that, should should the industry in a coordinated effort actually, you know, because it is a growing industry, even though on the federal end there's illegal components to it still under the federal law, should the industry develop, and this might be the wrong words, but a national standard of here's kind of following up what Barry said is these kind of standards that should be put in place that they start to police themselves in an aggressive way one, to potentially prevent overregulation on the flip side to make sure they're being shown as responsible? Is that, a, is that a pathway? I think that's what I think Barry's point is a good one. That is that something you should just say, here's our standards we're going to operate by on a national level? Whatever the federal government does, this is how we're going to operate. I think that's important, and I think that um, uh, the one thing that you're going to see uh, is a lot of research about the impact uh, of marijuana on individual health. And so to the extent that they can get in front of those things, understand uh, the science uh, behind the effects of cannabis and the way it metabolizes in the body, I think is critically important. Let me, uh, to to wrap up, I know Barry and I appreciate you being here. I guess if I was to summarize, you have several things. You got some IRS issues around expenses and how they're going to be treated. You have banking issues. Can they bank in the federal system? You have some ag issues, agriculture issues, criminal issues, controlled substance issues, FDA issues, kind of a laundry list of items, which means there'll be multiple jurisdictions of coverage on this. But it probably will be a bill or bills or amendments to bills, more than likely, not by itself. Is that your assumption? And then any wrap-up thoughts you might have on this? I I think that's right. And to date, you know, Congress, the committee is a primary jurisdiction. The Judiciary Committees have not taken this issue up. I do think that if Attorney General Sessions withdraws the Cole memo, it is going to make people focus like a laser beam on this issue. Uh, The industry will be... Uh, focused on it. Uh, The Justice Department, of course, and Treasury Departments will be focused on it. And um, for the industry's sake, hopefully Congress will focus on it. Well, uh, Barry and I thank you for being here, Will. Thanks for giving a good uh, summary of what's going on and some nitty-gritty of what people should be looking for in the next year or two on this issue. My pleasure. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information.